to make your fantasy a reality. With the help of the crew over at Fantasy Insider and the boys at Woot and Wide, this is DFS Down Under. Hi and welcome to another episode of DFS Down Under. I am Josh Y and we're brought to you by Fantasy Insider, the trusted tools used by Australia's daily fantasy sports players. And we're doing things a little bit different uh, this this uh, episode and uh, no Woot, uh, he's unavailable. Um, but we've got Daryl Data from Fantasy Insider joining us for the whole show. How are you going, Daryl? I'm good. We're going with Daryl Data now, are we? Oh, we, we keep changing it every week. I, I can't even <laughs> remember what my original, what my, I think you ended up choosing my one, but I don't know what it was. So um, we just, yeah, whatever rolls off my tongue. <laughs> whatever rolls off my tongue works the best, I think. Yeah, that's good. How did you uh how did you go last week in terms of uh your results? Um, tournament wise I think I had I only had one entry in each tournament and didn't have anything. I had a pretty good week of cash game results. Um yep. when I finally got around to looking at last week's late kind of on the whatever it was, probably Sunday afternoon by the time I got to it now the NBA's going. Um I just it was a weird week for tournament play. Um I just couldn't find a couple of lineups or a sign solid core that I liked. Um, so yeah, I went with the cash games and I did okay on those. So good of interest. Yeah, I managed um, to hit yeah. on one lineup and just get in the money a little bit. But yeah, I, I actually had more success on the racing on Moneyball last week. Actually, so <laughs> um, I tried my hand at that and I found that pretty fun. Yeah, racing's been good. It's been interesting to see it build. Um, I'd be really interested, in, I think, to see how it goes for the um, Melbourne Cup Carnival next week. See if they kind of put a bit more money behind it. Yep. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. And of course, NBA season's in full swing, and that's kind of been my priority. I've kind of been doing thirty lineups or so a day for NBA. Um, nice profit. I had a, I think it was second, third, fifth, seventh day on Draft Stars. Yep. Um, which was sort of four or five k in prize money. So that was wow. a really nice day. Yeah, that's 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 what you want. Um, that's the, that's the best thing about NBA is it is every day. So that's when the the cruncher comes in handy where you can spit out. You know, thirty to forty lineups like that, and um, all you yeah. need is one or two to hit, and you're uh, you're good for the week or for the next few weeks, really. And you can sort of just—it's just house money after that. So, uh, yeah, the plenty of chances. Big help. It's big help with that, right? Probably the other main challenge we get a lot with NBA is that you've got sort of forty minutes before the game, half an hour before the first game, before you have a good idea who's actually going to play. And yep. the value of each player changes so dramatically. If, a point guard's out and another guy's coming in, that guy's probably now getting 25 minutes instead of seven minutes. Yep. Um, and like AFL, NBA is kind of pretty much all determined by playing time. So yep. just being able to make those kind of quick changes on the fly and spit out a whole bunch of lineups, I think, is a particularly useful feature. Yeah, and uh, a little bit different to the NFL in terms of you know minutes that necessarily uh, result in success. All it takes is one big play to... To break something off, and an example of that is is Will Fuller, whose touchdown uh, rate right now is it seems like all he does is is catch uh, touchdowns. And we'll get to him a little bit later on. But let's um, let's jump into to a week nine slate. And uh, before we get off yep. on that, um, it's worth noting that Draft Stars have sort of done a little bit of a pricing overhaul. Yeah, that's a weird one. I I had a look at it yesterday. They obviously they were a few hours late putting out their NFL contests. Um, which is strange in itself. Um, and then when they did put them out, yeah, premium prices have pretty much changed. I think all the quarterbacks are several thousand dollars cheaper than they were. Um, 
and the wide receivers have gone up in price by on average probably a couple of thousand dollars. So I think it significantly changes your kind of lineup construction approach there and whether that's because of certain kind of template of lineup was winning or the same people were winning, I'm not really sure. Um, I mm. haven't done any kind of analysis on it, but presumably they've got some logic for changing it. Yeah, my initial thoughts about sort of jumping into the data of it too much is it is full PPR and, and it would make sense that the wide receivers are a little bit more expensive. So, you know, just looking at my approach this week, I found myself when I was configuring some lineups, I had more running backs in my flex rather than wide receivers. So um, mm. if that was their aim, then I think that kind of worked because it made the running backs more tempting. But in a PPR league, obviously wide receivers are, um, have that higher ceiling because of because it is a passing league and, and you see a lot more catches and throws than, than runs. So uh, I don't know how that approach will change, but it, it could give you some value, especially this week if um, people are asleep at the wheel. Yeah, I think it's, that's a fair point. I think it's going to pass. I think that's probably a good explanation of what they were doing. And I think it does also open up some opportunities that people who are kind of formulaic or used to looking at lineup construction one way may um, take a little bit of time to accommodate. Yep. Um, those pricing changes don't necessarily seem to have made it over to tight ends either. Um, so I think tight ends are now potentially a little bit more valuable than they were previously. Um, Obviously, they, in a similar to wide receivers, they're getting the targets, but they're uh, probably around two thousand dollars on average cheaper now um, relative to the wide receiver position. Yeah, definitely. And there's some tight ends I like this week, and we'll get to those. All right, let's start at the quarterback position, and I, I've locked in to Sean Watson this week, and um, the reason, and he's now the most expensive. Uh, yeah. quarterback of anything and he's completely matchup proof if you're playing season long fantasy we saw that last week going into Seattle and exploding but the reason I like this this week and I, and I don't mind paying up for it is Indianapolis is 31st in pass defense in the NFL they've allowed five 300 yard passes they've allowed five quarterbacks have a hundred plus passer rating and this is the big one that I think links up well and we'll get to wide receiver in a minute but 42 completions of 20-plus yards. So Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins can both go deep, and Deshaun Watson mm. can find them deep. So I really like Deshaun Watson this week. Uh, what's he present to you on the cruncher? Um, he's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I struggle to get past his price. Um, as you say, he's the most expensive. He's worth $17,000, um, $300 a point, I think, more than the kind of default options that the cruncher spits out. Like you say, he's got he's got the upside, and certainly if you're entering a handful of tournament lineups, I have no objection to putting him in one or two of them. Yeah, um, but I'd really struggle to play him in cash games. Um, I just think at that price, you're giving up too much. so much potential elsewhere in your lineup that you're going to struggle. Yeah, definitely. I do prefer my second option here, and that is Alex Smith. Uh, I think he gives you that upside, uh, being you know part of an elite offense that's that's playing so well consistently and. Seems to score 30 points at least with ease. Um, the Chiefs as a whole, um, you know, even in uh, against Denver's defense, managed 29 points uh, without really sort of looking in danger there or, or putting the foot on the accelerator. So he's only 7,800 on Moneyball, and he's about five grand cheaper on Draft Stars. And he plays yep. he plays the Cowboys. So they've been pretty good the last two weeks, but they've had some easy matchups and faced some bad quarterbacks. But the four opposing quarterbacks before those last two weeks were Simeon, Palmer, Goff, and Rogers, and they all scored at least 22 fantasy points. Mm. And Smith's probably in better form than 
three out of those four guys, um, Rogers obviously injured, but um, I think he can easily score 25-plus points this week. No, I agree with that. Um, I think Smith's a pretty good option this week. He's in the top 10, I think, on both platforms on the cruncher. Yep. Um, and depending on how you configure the rest of your lineup, he shows up in quite a few of the options. So, yeah, yep. no objection to that. I think, I think he's a good play. Um, I, I say 25 is probably not too far off. Yep. Sort of kind of where you'd expect him to be if he um, hits what you, if he hits kind of the form you expect. Yep. Um, I guess other, so I say he's in the top 10. I guess the other kind of options that we've got there, um, Cousins, 90.7, um, Hundley comes up quite a bit. Yeah, I saw um, that. Coming up um, for Green Bay, um, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, Dalton, and then you've got kind of the usual suspects beyond that. Um, and it's going to be, a, I think Hundley comes up, particularly at Moneyball. I forget exactly what price he is, but I can't. He comes up in kind of eight of the top ten lineups that we crunch at Moneyball. Um, okay. I think he might be super cheap there. He's uh, the six. He's $6,400 on... Yeah. Moneyball, and the thing with Hunley is the rushing yards, which is something he showed um, in his debut. He's had he's had the bye week as well, so he still managed 13 fantasy points on Moneyball um, because he only had 87 passing yards, but managed the 44 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground. So that's definitely enticing. Yeah, um, and I think at that price, certainly if you're playing cash games, he's definitely sort of almost a lock into your lineup, and he probably shows up in a few tournament teams too. Hmm. All right, I hadn't considered him, but I'm gonna. Uh, you've swayed me. I'm gonna throw him in uh, a few different lineups and see how I go. Uh, moving on to running back position, I like Hunley's teammate, and that's uh, Aaron Jones. I think he's really, really cheap on Draft Stars. He's nine thousand nine hundred and fifty, and then seven thousand on Moneyball. The entire offensive line yep. back for Green Bay, um, which is huge. Um, they've been making do without them, and then Detroit comes into this game having allowed the seventh most fantasy points to opposing running backs, and we saw Aaron Jones become the focal point of the offense um, post-Aaron Rodgers' injury. Yeah, and again, no no objection to him. I think he should be good for kind of 14 points with some upside. Um, I think there's a couple of other options there. Um, Murray, for example, who potentially could kind of score a similar amount at the same kind of price. But, yeah, no objection with cycling Aaron Jones in through some of those lineups. Is that uh, Latavius Murray or DeMarco Murray? Uh, That's DeMarco Murray. Yeah, good. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) he should play. Um, They've had had plenty of time against the Ravens' defense, run defense, it hasn't been too great, so uh, definitely an option there. Another one, uh, and this there's, is... Sorry? I was just going to say, yeah, there's a bunch of um, the options that the cruncher likes this week that have yep. kind of the light green icon next to them. There's just so many yep. questionable, doubtful, probable kind of players. It's, yeah, keep an eye. Yeah, it is very, very uh, tricky. And, and one situation to keep an eye on definitely is is the Dallas running back's uh, you know, spot given... Ezekiel Elliott suspension. He's out for six weeks. So there's three names to monitor. Alfred Morris, um, Darren McFadden, and Rod Smith. I think it comes down to those top two, but Alfred Morris seems to be the guy that uh, looks the most appealing. At, he's at 5700 on Moneyball, 11000 on Draft Stars. So pretty expensive on Draft Stars in comparison to Aaron Jones, for example. Um, but Alfred yeah. Morris, definitely on Moneyball, is worth a, worth a play. I think he's Probably the best chance of all the Dallas running backs to probably get 15 or so touches. The Dallas offensive line starting to hit some form, and, and the Chiefs, um, you know, 
has allowed a lot of uh, some running players. So they they got some they gave up some chunk yardage last week on the ground to Denver. So they're not exactly as stout as many think. Yeah, um, if he plays, if he starts, sorry, I, I like him. I think he's obviously particularly good price at Moneyball. Um, I don't think his draft stars price makes him worth playing. Agreed. Um, even if he is starting, just because I think he, even if he starts, he'll be sharing the load. Yep. Um, the trouble we had there, so we went, we, our match simulation for that game, I think it's going to rerun probably Saturday night because just as I was looking around for kind of information, nobody seems to be sure. I think Jerry Jones came out with a statement saying kind of three or four of them will all get time. Um, and none of the kind of beat riders seem to be too sure um, how the time is going to get spread around them. So there's just so much uncertainty around the situation, and that might sort of show in the ownership percentages as well. So you may well be able to play something like Alfred Morris if it's still somewhat unclear um, as a kind of a point of difference. And if he obviously starts and hits it off, you may well be in a good position. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it is a tricky one, and I think that's... That's one of the ones that if you're doing a Sunday lineup, obviously wait till till Sunday night. You have to stay awake and uh, be be alive and watching ESPN's uh, Sunday night countdown uh, very early into the wee hours. But uh, if you're setting a lineup tomorrow, I think yeah. I'd have to put uh, my money on uh, on Alfred Morris um, over Darren McFadden at this point. Um, mm. Moving on, uh, another running back I like is Christian McCaffrey this week. Um, Six thousand two hundred on Moneyball, two thousand two hundred on Draft Stars. Um, so week three against New Orleans, Kelvin Benjamin went out with an ankle injury. McCaffrey ended up going off for nine catches for 101 yards and 11 targets. And Atlanta are pretty pretty brutal against uh, running backs in terms of allowing uh, running backs um, yardage and catches. Um, they're in the bottom third in DVOA against running backs through the air, and at least five running backs have caught at least four passes. So um, I think Christian McCaffrey in Kelvin Benjamin's absence could... Uh, see a lot of time at wide receiver. So you're essentially getting a wide receiver at the running back position with McCaffrey. Uh, yes. And is that a good thing or do you want kind of the more stable yep. um, points in that position? Um, so I wrote in my notes next to McCaffrey that I like the spot, but I'm not sure on the price. And that was kind of mainly in relation to the Draft Stars game, which yep. is one I tend to look at when I'm preparing for this just because it's obviously the bigger one. Um, and he's 12,000 at Draft Stars and I can't be having him at 12,000. Yep. Um, however much I like the spot. At Moneyball, 6,200. Um, no objection to playing in there. And potentially, as you say, he's got the ceiling. And if you're playing a tournament lineup, he's one of those um, players that you could play and have the upside. Um, you just got to be careful not to have too many of them. Right? You don't yeah. want to have like five players with upside because exactly. it's pretty rare that they're all going to come off. Yeah, exactly. See, I try to rotate my sort of upside guys and I always sort of lock in on the cruncher two or three of my, my high-floor guys that I know or I, I assume will go off even with the high high floor. So that's that's how I generally go with my approach, but I'm sure everyone's different. Um, what what else did the cruncher like at running back before we move to receiver? Um, so you've got Friedman and Murray. I think both of those are still questionable officially at this point. Yep. Um, you've got... Um, McCoy Peterson Blount, I think, is how do you pronounce his name? Yep. Um, kind of another option that comes up, comes up as a kind of cheap option. Moneyball, you kind of got very similar names. Um, I think some of the premiums are a bit more viable at Moneyball as usual. Um, yep. And I think who's the other guy like there? Chris Ivory, I think, comes up as kind of a cheap play at Moneyball, um, who potentially I think, could be an interesting way to save some money, particularly if you're playing 
catch game. Yeah, and particularly if if they do sit Leonard Fournette one more week, he is back practicing. But if if they decide to rest him for one more week and just be cautious with him, then I definitely think Ivory is a really good play um, this yep. week. Uh, moving on to receiver, um, I've got a couple of different sort of stack options because um, I didn't mind I didn't mind Matt Stafford at quarterback either this week, but I, I do like. Um, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. I, I am more partial to Marvin Jones just given that he is cheaper. The, the price discrepancy, especially at draft stars, is, is quite a lot. So I do prefer yeah. one of those. You know, Tate obviously has a higher ceiling um, because the Packers are brutal against slot receivers. But um, Jones last year, when he went to Lambeau Field, he had six catches, 205 yards, two touchdowns, and he's coming off um, a, a good three weeks where he's been really, really solid and consistent and made some big plays down the field. But I certainly am leaning towards Marvin Jones uh, this week against the Packers secondary. Yeah, I, I like Marvin Jones of those two. Um, Tate is one of those players that Puncher has never really liked and our match models never really liked. Um, he seems to kind of, he does seem to kind of constantly outperform the sort of model that we have for wide receivers, which is interesting of itself. Yep. Um, but I, I can't remember the last time I had him in one of my teams. So. Yeah, it's, well, um, it's weird that certain players, you know, it, it is funny how the cruncher, even though it's just uses raw data, just favors some players every week. I've noticed like Julio yeah. Jones and Devontae Freeman are always pretty high on the dollar per point, uh, you know, uh, metric. Yeah, and I think, uh, there's a couple of reasons behind that. One is, I guess, that kind of the models are still evolving. So it likes certain kind of profiles of players and it looks at how that type of profile has historically done against a particular type of opponent. Yep. Um, and Tate just doesn't quite fit the kind of peripheral stats that the cruncher sees as kind of a premium wide receiver who's going to go on to do lots of good things. And yep. obviously, as I say, the part of the models always learn. So maybe that will change in the future. But that's and then you've got yeah as you say you've got people like Julio Jones who come up kind of every week as well um, and that's kind of just there's a lot of my kind of approach to kind of sports modeling works on the basis that once you prove you have skills yep. um, allowing for aging at some point if you've got those skills they're going to come through in the statistics yep. um, so it tends to it perhaps does tend to stick with players longer than humans might. Um, and I think that's probably to one of its advantages. Um, it's certainly something that comes up a lot in the NBA. It's often once a player's gone out of favour and they've gone down in price because they've gone out of favour that shows up in sort of 15 of my 20 lineups in a day and goes off. So yep. I think that's just kind of the way that these kind of models work. They take that kind of human element out of it. Um, and as a result of that, when a player's on a downward swing, you're often going to find them playing you're often going to find yourself playing them um just because at some point you, the country figures are going to come out of it yeah cool uh another I'll, I'll skip ahead on on the spreadsheet here that we use but um two two guys i like as well um as a potential stack is deshaun watson and deandre hopkins or deshaun watson yep. and uh will fuller will fuller's price has just um gone up massively it's it's so expensive now um he's a risky play given that you know, the touchdown regression, it's got to come soon. Like, he can't just keep catching only touchdown passes. Yeah. But we've been saying that for three weeks, and he just keeps doing it. <laughs> so, um, obviously, it's an obvious stack given, you know, they are a high-octane offense. Um, they are d- double-digit favorites at home with a with a really high total, which is near 50 points. So, um, one of these guys is definitely going to go off. Um, both could still go off. Um, it could be the rare double stack if you can afford it, if you, if you find cheapies somewhere else. But... Um, I'm probably leaning 
more towards Fuller, um, but I don't like, I don't, I, I grip my teeth because he's not the type of player I normally take in, in Moneyball and DFS because he is an all or nothing type of player. Yeah, and like past touchdowns aren't necessarily the best indicator of future touchdowns. Yeah. Right? And you, one thing you don't want to do is start chasing and start putting players in after they've had a couple of really good weeks because it's obviously no guarantee that if they're going to get those targets in the end zone in the future. Yep. Um, that said, I think I wrote down I, the double sack I can't say I thought about and hadn't done that math, but Hopkins Watson is about 40% of the Thrusters cap, I think. Hopkins Fuller is about 35%. So what does that make both of them combined? Oh. Um, 30, 23, 33, 40, it's about 50%. 50, yeah, more or less 50% of your draft stars cap in those yep. three players. I just can't see them getting 50% of the tournament winning. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Especially the problem with two, two wide receivers is wide receivers obviously score most when they get touchdowns. And if one of them gets a touchdown, the other can't get that touchdown. Exactly. There's only so many to go around. Yep. I, I just I have zero faith in my Colts. I'm expecting an absolute bloodbath. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I I definitely think I'd probably lean towards starting Fuller. I think if I am going to start one of those two, um, it'll be a rare lineup where I have them and Watson together. If I am going to play Fuller, I, I probably will just go with Alex Smith and save the cash and 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 then look elsewhere. But um, I just I think one of those is going to go off this week. Yeah, the Colts. Um... They're not the best this year, are they? So no. um, anything can happen in that game. I was just trying to look and I was just putting up our stats inside of models on my computer here to see what we had for that um, Colts game. And yeah, we have Texans 31, Colts 20, okay. um, which is Colts are what 13 point underdogs, underdogs in that yeah. game. So yeah, um, yeah, 31 points means you've probably got what's that? I'm putting 21, 28, maybe four, three to four touchdowns to go around. Yep. So I think you probably need one of those to get at least two of those to be yep. viable. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, no objection to playing one of them. And if you can get enough battery relief elsewhere, oh. um, I wouldn't be totally against that kind of Fuller Watson stack. But I think if you look at that stack as a, on a dollar per points basis, I think that's going to be one of the most expensive stacks. Yeah, um, definitely. Let's come back. To, just come back to the idea of stacking when we talk about if we talk about horse racing again, because there's some interesting stuff going on there. Okay. Um, <laughs> my last two wide receivers are Paul Richardson um, against the Redskins. Really cheap on Moneyball, five thousand nine hundred, eleven thousand, and fifty on Draft Stars. And uh, you know he scored three touchdowns the past two games, but. He's been pretty consistent in terms of getting targets and, and receptions um, all year. I just think he just made some wow plays, so he's a really buzzy name at the moment. But I've played him in a couple of lineups um, earlier on this year, sort of my flex play um, as, a, as a cheap option, and he's been in some winning lineups for me. Um, the Redskins are really banged up right now. Um, I can see him having um, a pretty big day. And T.Y. Hilton, I think, is a contrarian play. Um, he, he normally has really big games against the Texans. The targets are there, like... He's had 15 targets the past two games. He's only had four catches for 42 yards. So I think that they're going to connect this week. And when, when they are on Brissett and Hilton, that he normally goes off for like 150-plus yards. So I can see him having a big game. Yep, I really like the Hilton play. Um, so you've got, we've got the Colts scoring 20 points. So it's potentially, again, two to three touchdowns. Um, and obviously Hilton's probably a good potential there. Um, 
yeah, really like that play, and I think he might not well he might well not be um, highly owned. Richardson's the opposite, I think, for me. Um, like you say, he's um, got a bit of name recognition now after those last couple of weeks. Particularly, I think you might see that um, in his ownership percentage. Um, if he scores what you'd sort of take from his kind of last two, three games, then obviously he's a good value play. Um, yep. But I just, again, I can't see that his um, stats long-term will support him averaging one and a half touchdowns a game. No. Uh, so I think he's a bit of a high-variance play, and I think he'll be too highly owned to kind of have the leverage that you'd want for a kind of high-variance play. Definitely. All right, noted. Um, all right, moving on. <laughs> just my thoughts. Yeah, no, it's good, um, because we would just be like, yeah, cool, and, and then I play him and he doesn't go well, so... Um, getting a different perspective, it's good. Uh, any other thoughts on wide receiver? Um, are you are you playing Julio Jones this week? Are you going down the Julio train again? Um, yes, if I play tournaments, I'll probably have him. He's got we got that fifty three yard reception. Yeah, at the weekend. <laughs> Rejoice! Uh, you can still do it. <laughs> you can still do it. He just needs to sort of get in the end zone and catch a couple in the game. Yeah, um, it's killing just, me. Need him to get that. It's that whole up point where I was saying with um like players on downswings and their salaries going down, you just have more of him because at some point he's going to do it. But yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, um, massive. So yeah, him. Um, <laughs> who else? Evans, Adams, Ty Hilton. We already talked about. Um, there's no really value picks I think that stand out this week in terms of certain cheap players who you'd be comfortable enough putting in as a sort of solid play. Um, Ty Hilton, I think, at Moneyball in particular, $6,700 there. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard to kind of not play him at that price. Yeah, I think he's uh, yeah he's a must. I think uh, I definitely uh, am going to play T.Y. Hilton. I can't believe the trade talks this week surrounding him. I was trying to just rip my heart out. It's been a rough season already. <laughs> um, all right, moving on to tight end. And this is the week where I might play two tight ends, uh, play the, the tight end in the flex position on Moneyball. Um, yeah. I've, Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and Jimmy Graham are going up against defenses that rank 27th, 28th, and 29th against tight ends this season. Still like Kelsey yep. the most just because he's the best player out of the three, and I think he, he's in the matchup that has the highest expected score. There's a shootout potential in that game. Um, there's 51. It's a, pretty much a pick em game. So I like Kelsey, 7,100 at Moneyball, 12,200 at Draft Stars. Um, I really am. I think Kelsey might be my... Uh, Lineup cruncher lock of the week, Daryl. <laughs> yeah, I I can't argue with you. Um, I really like Kelsey in that one. Um, I think he's the price is reasonable. Um, the matchup is positive. He kind of has all the things you would want. The only question I think is what what percentage owned he's going to be. Um, yep. Obviously, the totals, the Vegas total, is something that a lot of people look at, and I doubt it will go too um, under the radar. How weak the defenses he's going up against is. So. Yep. Um, yeah, no objection to him, certainly as a play. What ownership he'll be will determine, I guess, what happens in the end of that. We have that game, I think, at 21-21, um, and a decent-sized bet on the under-51 on the Stats Insider model. So um, I actually, I think in the model, we have that game weighted slightly lower, probably weighted at like a 47 total. Um, but even with that, he still comes out as a good play. Okay. Um, of those three that I mentioned, Kelsey, Ertz, and Graham, are you leaning uh, one way or another? Kelsey, Ertz, I both and Ertz, I both like Graham. I don't, 
I still think, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think Graham's still priced and his ownership percentage is still a bit on reputation. Yep. Um, and I just, again, as you say, he's going up against a weak defense, but I think that I still prefer the other options there. Um, so yeah, Kelsey, uh, um, I think you've also kind of got Reed Walker as kind of options at tight end. Yeah, I like um, Walker. Also, yeah. Yeah. I was tempted to put his name down, but my last one is a real cheapy, um, a good sort of difference maker for you. Tyler Higby, uh, 4,500 yeah. on Moneyball is probably a must start on Draft Stars for me. Um, if you, if you're going to believe my ramblings in a second here, 5,500 on Draft Stars. Start your tight ends against the Giants. It is like, <laughs> it is a lock. It is just unbelievable what, what they give up to tight ends this year. They've allowed the most fantasy points by tight end, to tight ends by a significant margin. And a tight end has scored a touchdown every single game against them. Um, Tyler Higby is due a touchdown. Um, I, I think, yeah, I'm going with Tyler Higby in, in a few lineups this, this week if I'm going to spend big on, say, just Sean Watson or in a Will Fuller stack and it'll be because I can afford it with Tyler Higby as my tight end. Um, yeah, I saw this on your spreadsheet. I have to say it's not a player I even looked at um, as I was preparing this. Yep. Um, it's an interesting one. Um, I'm just trying to look at his, what his kind of historic scores have been. So at Draft Stars, he's... Let's quick check here. Oh, so Draft Stars, 8.5, 4, 15.7, 24.5. Uh, oh, sorry, no, 3.7, 1.4, 7.7, 13.8, 1.4.3. He's not the best. Yeah, he's not I, the most consistent, but it is a purely a matchup based yeah. um feel. It is it is completely out of nowhere. Um so yeah, I got he's no cheap. it's he's just purely matchup. <laughs> he's cheap, he's gonna be low owned. Um it's a good point of difference. The math I'd like to do and I haven't done is what so what percentage above average on fantasy points tight ends um, score against them against the Giants. So, okay, on average, so maybe the tight ends score a touchdown, but how does that compare to the sort of the standard of tight ends that have, not, have been playing against them? Yep. Um, be an interest, I haven't done the math, but it'll be interesting to have a look at that. And yep. if that is a positive, if that's sort of 200% or so, then I could probably see myself playing Higby, but it would probably need to be around 20%. There we go. Purely numbers from Daryl, and mine is just all <laughs> the feels, all the gut feels. Um, yeah, uh, Tyler Higby's a name I never thought I'd ever say on this podcast, but uh, here we are, um, week nine, 20, 2017. What a time to be alive. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those seasons. Uh, defense, obviously, <laughs> loved your analysis here. Just one word, uh, lottery. Um, definitely. Yeah. Um, but it, they've been a massive, like if you had the Ravens last week, you would have had 30 points before, uh, yep. anyone in the week before the Bears. So if you can pick the right defense, then you, definitely it is a real pod, a real point of difference. Um, I like the Cardinals this week against the 49ers. Um, the Cowboys and Eagles both scored at least 19 fantasy points against CJ Beathard the last two weeks. The Cardinals are a little bit weak in the secondary, but up front they get sacks and, and apply pressure. So, I definitely think they can rack up some sacks and, and possibly uh, maybe have a fumble recovery or, or a pick six of some sort. Um, I also like the Rams against the Giants. Similar reasons, since uh, Odell Beckham's got down, uh, went down injured, um, the Giants have allowed 22 fantasy points to the Broncos and Seahawks defense. So um, I definitely think the Rams could rack up some sacks as well. And they've scored at least 15 fantasy points in their past three games. And they've always 
pretty saucy on sort of kick returns and punt returns the Rams. So they're always, you know, Tavon Austin and Farrow Cooper. There's always one of them dangerous to break one deep. So I like both of those yeah. um, defenses this week. What do, what do you prefer? Or what does the cruncher prefer in the lottery that is defense? <laughs> um, I think those are good rationales for both of those. Um, I, I really dislike the defense position as a, scoring position in fantasy. Yeah. Um, when we, when I used to play a dynasty league, I managed to get them eliminated. Um, Solid. We just <laughs> skipped them. Um, yeah, I, I say, I think you could go with either of those. The Crunchers, top options in Dolphins, Chiefs, Falcons, Bengals, Jags, Colts, Draft Stars, um, and then Ravens, Packers, Eagles at Moneyball. But uh, like you say, you've got to, yes, you can kind of go with the rationales, and you can kind of pick on sort of a short list of four or five. It's just adds such a random element for me that you've got a defense that scores 30 points, as you say, the last couple of weeks. And if you didn't have them, you were basically not almost not going to cash in some of the tournaments. Yep. And having that much um, on statistics such as fumble recoveries and um, interception returns and just that kind of thing, which I think there's an awful lot of analysis now that shows that they're not really predictable statistics. Um, a team's sort of statistics record over the last sort of five, ten games is not normally a good indicator of how many fumble recoveries they're going to get in the next yeah, five or ten games. It's so random. So, yeah. And that's my problem with it. Um, but yeah, um, you've got to pick one. I have no objection to picking either of the two you mentioned or any of the ones that the cruncher um, highlighted. Yep. Flip a coin, as you say, uh, it might be the best way to, to do it. We used to say yeah. that with, uh, kicker all last year when we we're doing our money, money ball podcast was just flip a coin for your kicker or whoever you can afford just straight in there. Last, last sort of position to put in. Um, that's yeah, probably... kick, kicker for me was slightly different because kickers were at least positively correlated with an offense's performance, right? Yeah. Um, so um, if you had a quarterback, for example, and the wide receiver pairing, um, if they if you ended up not getting a touchdown, then having the kind of kicker with, to score the field goal was kind of a consolation or getting the extra point if they did get a touchdown. So for me, there was more strategy involved, and there is more strategy involved in the kicker position. Yep. Um, defense is basically the only thing you want to make sure is that you're not picking the defense against most, um, your heavy offensive players. Yeah, definitely. You do, you do not want to uh, shoot yourself in the foot um, in that regard. Uh, before we let you go, Daryl, I just want to inform our listeners that uh, they have probably heard of Fantasy Insider Lineup Cruncher by now, so you know that you can build up to 40 lineups with one button. That's 40 instant lineups you can enter and win cash with just a few clicks. But did you know that Fantasy Insider Premium account, you can access over 15 other features on the lineup cruncher. Um, we can guarantee that. We've used them ourselves here at Woot Wire. So to get premium today, go to fantasyinsider.com.au slash wootwire. That's fantasyinsider.com.au slash wootwire. The Fantasy Insider lineup cruncher is the best tool in the business Daryl, before we uh, head off, um, any thoughts on um, some other sports, uh, horse racing, NBA, um, for the the upcoming week? Um, yes, yeah, been a good few days of sport, I think, coming up. you got the start of the kind of big festivals, uh, Festival of Racing in Melbourne, um, obviously Melbourne Cup next week, as well as Emirates Stakes Day and a bunch of others. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, 
we're starting to look a bit more at kind of the strategy for racing. One of the things I've been working on is looking at kind of projecting quinellas and trifectas, yep. which you'll know from playing those kind of money ball contests. You basically, if you don't hit 20, 30, um, what they call stable bonuses, you're pretty much out of the prize money. Yeah. So I think trying to just work a bit more on how you kind of project those into the lineup crunch and what kind of um, extra value you put on having two horses in a race or three horses in a race. Uh, it's going to be kind of some big strategy there, but um, that will come into its own more as the pools get bigger. And then you've already got the big pools for um, NBA. I think it's 10,000 tomorrow. It'll probably be 20,000 Saturday, Sunday, I'd imagine. Um, and obviously those are kind of big daily contests now. They're pretty much filling or overfilling on most days. Um, so it's good to kind of see that activity in the DFS space. And I mean, we've had massive, inf- massive increases in traffic since NBA started. So it's been crazy to see the, how significant that's been to the DFS space. Yeah, hopefully NFL can get that way. Obviously NBA much, much bigger and more popular down here. And because and it's on every day, it's just such a such a good tool for fantasy and for sports fans. But hopefully we can get... Uh, some increases there on, on Moneyball and on Draft Stars in terms of upping some prize money and making it far more interesting and a lot more competitive uh, in terms of winning cash. But uh, hopefully we've got some winning lineups here. Um, I can't wait to speak to you next week after Tyler Higby um, scores a touchdown. <laughs> and uh, We'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to ride the Higby train if he scores. Um, if, if you want a sneaky bet, maybe just an anytime touchdown scorer, um, he'll probably be a wicked high price. So... Might be just worth a, a ten dollar, just a, a specky um, for a bit of fun while you watch the Rams Giants. As fun as that game will be, um, reminds me. Um, sorry, as I say, it reminds me of one of the guys in my um, NRL fantasy league who, whenever he was playing me in like the semi-finals or the finals of these tournaments, would bet on all of my players as an anytime try scorer. Ah, and a bit of compensation if he didn't win. Nice little hedge. Uh, yeah, we got a we got a guy in our work league that. Uh, Every week he seems to score the second highest um, out of everyone and still lose his matchups. Yeah. So we picked this up early on and we started backing, uh, yeah, the people he was playing against um, in the overs, over-unders on the player props. And um, for for three weeks in a row, they all sort of lobbed and were doing well and then it sort of fizzled out um, after that. But for for three weeks, it was it was as good as form as any, as weird as that sounds. But uh, it's a fickle, <laughs> fickle beast fantasy football, so it's uh, it's good fun. Uh, Daryl, yep. thank you very much for joining and uh, being my uh, guest host for me in Woods absence. It's been it's been fun. Um, please check out Fantasy Insider to all those listening, and uh, we'll, we'll chat next week. Yep, no worries. Good to uh, be with you, and good to have a good chat about the games. So it'll be interesting. Good week, sorry, good weekends of games ahead. So it'll be entertaining to watch. I think. Yep, and we'll uh, we'll retweet your uh, stats insider stuff as well in terms of uh, the model and recommended bets that you have mentioned on here as well. So I encourage. People to check that out as well. Thanks for listening to DFS Down Under. Go check out all the best premium daily fantasy tools at fantasyinsider.com.au. You can also check out all the recommendations mentioned on today's podcast online at wootedy.com. And make sure you follow each of the boys on Twitter at This Is Woot and at JYNFL. Or you can follow the podcast at WootedY. 